1: Back into it, at Tale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency, part of the Nebraska Football Hall of Fame and a longtime Kansas City Chief. Talks of NFL, Eric Warfield joins us. And Warfield, we got you all front and center video-wise for our, our stream viewers. And, man, you got the the old football living room set up here. I like it. Thanks for letting us in your home.
2: I got a straight bachelor pad. There's nothing fancy about this place. It's a TV and a couch.
0: <laughs> now, I, I got to ask the question, based on some some things we've seen from the background of Schmidt's home over the past couple of weeks of him doing some shows from home, is your Christmas tree still up? That's a big question.
2: No. You know what? I didn't even put one up this year. <laughs>
0: Respect. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either. So, like, for me, there's no reason for me. I mean,
2: outside of the, of, uh, the grand scheme of what's, what Christmas means, uh, there's really no reason for me to put a Christmas tree up. Mm-hmm. So... Uh,
1: and just, just so you know, Mama got sick of you giving me hell about our Christmas tree. The Christmas tree, thanks to Elijah, got taken down, Warfield.
2: <laughs> what is it? Is it the day after Christmas or after New Year's when it's supposed to come down?
1: I think that that window between end of Christmas and New Year is is your was your time to get it done? Schmidty
0: was trying to take it till February, though.
1: No, well, Schmitty, um, when,
2: you, when you take down the tree, do you take down the lights? You take down everything at once, or just the tree.
1: Warfield, I haven't helped with Christmas for two decades. <laughs> I just fund it, okay? <laughs> so I don't help with taking down or putting up or or, or any of that. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a bastard, but that that is what it is. So uh, for better or for worse, so. Listen, there's there's a ton to get in here with you, and and I want to stress level for you as a proud Chiefs alum with this ball game and, and Patrick's ankle. Are you freaked out, or are you, you thinking, you know what, it's going to be a good ball game?
2: If anybody says that they're not worried about this game with Patrick's injury, not just with Patrick's injury, but just for the simple fact that we're playing a team that we haven't beaten the last three games. Mm-hmm. Um whether it's at their place or at our place, you know, they we still haven't beaten them. Uh and Joe is an excellent quarterback. I I easily put him in in the top, actually right now, top three. Just his demeanor and how he his poise throughout these games is it's unbelievable, especially how they started out and, and to get to where they ended. Um, you know, I heard the the, the talk with you know Chase being upset that all the professional writers and owners, whomever else, was gonna put this game in Atlanta thinking that it was gonna be the Bills and the Chiefs and kind of overlooking them. Well that's kind of how you played the season out. Like if Buffalo earned the number one spot, then yeah, that's what you kind of planned for. So he couldn't have been upset about that. And just the game that they had over Hamlin's injury or Hammond's injury, um, you can't kind of overlook that either. So uh, I understand where they come from and, and the, the things that they've accomplished over the season. They've had a great run, a really good run this year. But there's some really good football teams out there, and they're, they are one of them. And I am a little bit of afraid just because of the the record that they have against us and having Patrick's injury. But to see what Henny did going into the game, you know, that 98, 97, mm-hmm. whatever it was, touchdown drove that drive that he had it gives us confidence you know he's not a Patrick Mahomes nowhere near it uh, but he gives us a chance.
0: Eric Warfield's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Eric, I don't think we're probably going to know what the status of that Mahomes' ankle is until he actually takes the field on Sunday, but I want to get your take on the Chiefs' defense. It's been a defense that's looked a lot better this season. They made some changes over the offseason, but this Bengals team still has a very dangerous rushing attack. It feels like their season has kind of turned around since they have leaned on their rushing attack a little bit more, and uh, that's how they won last year as well with uh, Joe Mixon and Samaje Ryan. So uh, how do you think the, the Chiefs counter that rushing attack, or, or are you worried about what the Bengals' rushing attack can do?
2: Oh, yeah. They have a good front uh, front seven total, uh, and they've been playing well. Even their secondary is playing well. You know, they have one of our guys Cam Taylor Britton playing really well as a rookie. Uh, so you take your head off to what he's doing. So uh, we just have to – I think that we're – with a healthy Patrick – we're so we're one of those teams that it's way too hard to read and kind of game plan for, because you never know what kind of trick Patrick is going to come up with. I mean, you can grand scheme us for all you want. And, and, and it seems like uh, Andy Reed's playbook is so diverse to where it's so hard to really plan for. Um, and then not, not knowing what you're going to get from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You can try to stop uh, Kelsey, who's been our front runner throughout the year, throughout the years, um, and yet he's going to nickel and dime you with these other little guys that kind of come out and make the big plays for us. So, uh, But that's going in with a healthy healthy Patrick. And from the front seven and then the pass rush that Cincy can generate, and we saw this last game, they had a three-man rush and we're getting to uh, Josh Allen, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so if they can add that kind of pressure with a three-man rush, that's going to be scary. And, and I think for us, what I kind of saw in the last game, on a stat-wise, it kind of surprised me, uh, was Chris Jones doesn't have a playoff sack. You know, he's our best defender. And then we got to have him at some point uh, put that pressure, and, and not just the pressure, but to to get those those stats padded with, with, with some uh, hits on the quarterback.
1: Eric Warfield with us here. Hail Varsity Radio, uh, Husker Hall of Famer, uh, nine-year NFL vet, uh, long time with the Chiefs. I want to go to Cam Taylor Britt for a moment. And he's a guy that played early at Nebraska. And like you, he is playing quarter in the NFL, but also did time as a safety in Lincoln. He played both spots in Lincoln. And I know you were pretty diverse with your role in Lincoln as well. What do you think of Cam, his ability, and just how he's been able to progress as a rookie for that team?
2: I love his journey. Uh, love the things that he did in Nebraska. Wish we could have had him, you know, for, for all four years to help us turn that program around. And uh, you know, him being in the position to where he was to, to be drafted in, I think, the second round, second, uh, and to come out and show he's 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 worthy of it. Uh, it's, it's been fun to watch him play. You know, I'm. I don't get a lot of Cincinnati games here where I'm at. Mm. But I, when I do, when they're on TV, uh, I, I do watch him play. I, I it's, it's fun to watch him play and, and, and to see him uh, go out there and do his thing and have that interception at the end of the game. Heck, even outside of the interception, he was making big plays throughout the games. And to, to have big plays against Stephon Diggs and, and Josh Allen, you know, uh, that's, that's a great start of your, your, your NFL career.
1: Tell me about your transition safety to corner because you played corner at a high level in the NFL, but... Man, part of that national championship team in 97 as a safety.
2: Yeah. Honestly, I had no idea that I was going to even survive the team. You know, I, I got that call from Marty on draft day. And he's like, hey, kid, we're going to move you to, to corner. You know, and, and at the time, I was just so happy to, to be drafted at all. So you could've, you could could have, he could have told me I was going to be a punter, and I would have been excited for that. <laughs> so, uh, but going in, knowing that I got to cover some of the best athletes, that are on the team, guys that are faster than me, guys that are quicker than me, taller. And and I know that those island marks as well as they do, I didn't think I had a chance. And I was in the draft with Randy Moss. So coming out, you know, we had our first, well, not our first, but our training camps were in Wisconsin. So we had to go up against Minnesota every year uh, just as a a practice uh, before the season started. And I get to see this tall, lanky guy over here just demolishing guys and we played him in the, the, the first year of preseason game. He didn't do much against me, but he ended up catching like a 10-yard interception at the end, near the end of, of, of our time of playing. And um, Adam Tystra, I remember the, the the conversation. I told him, like, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to make this team. And Adam was like, dude, I thought you had a really good game outside of the one play that he caught in the end zone. But, you know, he, he's a first-round pick. So that, that's, that's what they got him to do. Um, but I just thought that after that, my career was going to come to an end. And, Luckily, uh, I had a great cast that I had that I learned from, and James Hasty Dale Carter and Mark Mcmillan uh to show me the ropes and how to to play the position uh, and to make that career last as long as it did
1: let's talk about Moss real quick were you were you because you were always deed up against him, and there'd be showdowns from time to time through your career. I just seem to remember that minnesota obviously he went to oakland for a time and then also in new england i mean you had you had a lot of matchups against him but i don't remember them going bad i mean i really don't remember them going bad like they did against anyone who uh tried to dm up against green bay (laughs) i
2: mean right there's no i did i did well against some a lot of those big name guys now i can honestly take my hat off and say that i really got my my excuse my language my ass handed to me against indianapolis um and that was mostly with Marvin Harris. And the guy, because, you know, there's a route tree that every receiver has to run. Mm -hmm. Now, when you deviate from that route tree, you deviate from things that we have learned. So when I'm used to covering nine routes that are part of that route tree, uh, that's what my body and my mind is designed to cover. Marvin had a different route tree and Peyton would just sit back there and just wait for him to get open and, and, and they would make that thing work like, uh, you know, a marriage in heaven. But uh, uh, outside of that, I think I did really well against a lot of those big-name guys. And, and some of the guys that didn't have the big names, you know, I was lulled to sleep, you know. And that's the, that the, the, be, the, the best part of being a corner, uh, what the Hall of Fame guys have done, is that they're in the moment 24-7, no matter who they're up against. And that's kind of where I lost my focus. That was with some of those game guys that didn't have the the bigger reputations uh, of, of playmaking ability. Uh, so I did well against Randy Moss. I did well against T.O. I did well against a lot of those big name guys. Uh, and yeah, and, and some of the other guys, is, you know, it's like, hey, who was this guy that we lined out here and paid all this money to?
0: Eric, when you talk about those those high-level guys, those high-level wide receivers, it feels like every team remaining in the playoffs has at least one of those guys. You look at San Fran, you got Debo Samuel, and I add Ayuk there as well. The, the Eagles have A.J. Brown. Chiefs have Kadarius Toney. Uh, the Bengals have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. When you look at those guys, um, specifically a cornerback's task with those guys, you want to keep those guys from beating you too bad. How much of your preparation or shutting those guys down on Sundays done in the film room, seeing what these guys' tendencies are? Is it just, you know, a battle of will when Sunday comes around? How does that work whenever you're, you're up against oh, these? guys? no, we're all in the
2: film room. So uh, you have to watch, especially alignment, as to where they think they have a, a, a an advantage over you. It's certain spots on the field to where you know where only certain routes can be run. Uh, now, where you get in trouble is uh, when you start – eating on a lot of those routes, that's when they set you up for double moves, Uh, which is kind of the, you know, I'm a big, I've enjoyed watching Diggs play here in Dallas. Dude had 11 interceptions last year, and all of a sudden this comes to this year. But a lot of his big play, even uh, the big plays against him last year, were all double moves. And when they catch balls on him, he's nowhere around because he, he jumps on all those. And so that's the hardest part because you get with these guys that are, really good without the double moves and can beat you without them but once you start playing them well and they throw that double move in there you you're gone and, and there's not much you can do about it you, you know they tell you to commit the pass interference, interference to try to grab them but at that point <laughs> you know nowhere are near the receivers so it's six points but it, it i love the challenge of going up against those guys with the reputation it, it brings out the, the competitor in me but the like I said, the the worst part on my side was getting a guy that was maybe like a T. Higgins who wasn't the best receiver for Cincinnati, uh, but he gets enough plays. And so I'm sitting there playing good against him, and all of a sudden uh, I'm out of the play. I'm just guarding what I think what I think I'm seeing, and yet he's up the sideline for six. So it's just one of those. You just gotta stay in the moment. It's
1: Eric Warfield with us, Hall of Fame Husker, uh, NFL vet with the Chiefs, stalking Chiefs, Bengals, Hale Varsity Radio. Be sure to check out Eric's podcast and video show, Chief Concerns. I know uh, Chiefs fans love catching you on that. Uh, find Eric on Twitter at ea Warfield 44 Eric, about a minute here. And then we'll take a quick break. And I want to get your take on Nebraska before we say goodbye. But Bill O'Brien, back to New England. I know you spent a year with the Patriots. Yeah. Kind of put into words the, the, the Patriot way from your experience.
2: That is a professional organization. Uh, not to say that the Chiefs weren't. Uh, but when I got to New England, as opposed to what I was, my most majority career mm-hmm. in Kansas City, it, it, organizations were run completely different. Um uh, Top to bottom, basically. Uh, and we were more old school in Kansas City compared to what New England was doing out uh, out there. And so it was a difference in, 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 in how you prepare, how you study. Uh, practices weren't the same. Uh, your meals weren't the same. Your time at the stadium wasn't the same. You know, we had Wednesdays and Thursdays were our worst days. You know, That's full pads. Well, they didn't do that you only do full pass one day, but it's half the day you take those things off and you're out on the field basically for like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, So it's kind of like they had evolved way sooner than what the rest of the league had done. You know, and you go in and you got your chefs there preparing your breakfast, got your chefs there preparing your lunch. And uh, a lot of that stuff we didn't have in Kansas city. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they have it all now, but it was just completely brand different. And which is another crazy thing, from what I understood throughout this, uh, I would say Belichick way type of thing, is that a lot of the coaches that have come from under his tree haven't been that successful on their own, but when they're all together under him, you know, things seem to work out really well. But I think that was more so with him and Brady as, as a duo too. Uh, but yet, you know, Coach Belichick is a great one I, to me. Uh, the best that's ever done it. Uh, I didn't get to see a lot of the older guys before. So uh, I've enjoyed watching the Patriots and how they played their games, how they've been so successful, especially with Brady. And so maybe that duo can come back together and get them back on a winning train, but the way Miami is looking, and if they can get a good quarterback to stay in the game consistent, mm. they can run that, that, comfort, that easily, because they got a lot of talent down there. And now,
0: and now back to Hail Varsity Radio.
1: It's Eric Warfield with his Hall of Fame Husker, uh, NFL vet with the Chiefs, stalking Chiefs, Bengals. Hale Varsity Radio, Eric. Uh, before we say goodbye, Eric Warfield with his thoughts on Nebraska. Matt Rule, he's come in and he has lit the world on fire in recruiting, and he's already known as as a developer and a guy that just likes to go get a a fit for what he wants. You know how important Texas is. You live down there. Nebraska's been living in Texas here this 2022-2023 offseason recruiting.
2: I'm happy. I've been happy with every coach that we've signed so far. You know, I'm in support of whatever the university does. And until we get six or seven wins uh, or more, You know, that's when I can really say what we've done is a great job. Everybody's excited for Matt and what he's done with his career. We were all excited for Scott and what he had done with his career, and it didn't pan out. Now, I knock on wood and keep my fingers crossed, hoping that things are completely different with with Coach Rule. So uh, I'm just excited to see what he brings. Other than that, I can't really speak on what he hasn't done yet. And so, you know, you can come in with the greatest resume, and it doesn't pan out for us. I just hope that it does. Uh, and within a short period of time,
0: Eric, we I've loved talking X's and O's with you a bit today. So I want to get your take on some X's and O's with uh, a new look Husker defense. The three three five supposed to be pretty multiple defense. Have you ever ran a three three five defense and NF? Not what do you know about it?
2: I don't think I was ever a part of it. Um, again, it all sounds good until you, it's played on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, if it doesn't work, then what's what's the point of of, of a 3-4, three, 3-5, three, or, or whomever you got out there. You know, we, we have to find us a player like a, a, an Indomitian Sioux or Levante David, or that's going to be a playmaker, that's going to be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. Um, so whomever we got, we got to have one of those guys, at least one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've really had one of those guys in years to be the one that you can count on or that can, that you can hold, that hold accountable to go out there Talk the talk, but also walk the walk.
1: With your defenses that were championship deep defenses and teams, you had complementary football. You had great offenses. Your defenses were incredible. Never even a a worry about special teams. Yeah, And, and and you guys won a lot of ball games, and you had a lot of talent, and then you had depth. That also played in the league behind guys that you were in front of. Yeah. But, but how did Coach McBride and Darlington and that defensive staff get you guys to mesh?
2: I don't even know if it was a coach's thing. Uh, for one, not to say like that, I, I, I don't think it was a Darlington McBride thing. It, basically, it started with Coach Osborne. Sure. So he brought a, a different type of respect in an aspect where I had never been around a coach that didn't yell, that didn't cuss or, you know, say bad language, and all of a sudden you're around a around guy that's proven, uh, soft voice, uh, knows every single thing about you and every player on this team, and yet uh, when it comes down to it, you know that the guy next to you is going to make the play that he's supposed to make. So you, you know that everybody that you're with is accountable. Um, and we didn't have that one guy that was just a difference maker. We had a few. You know, Grant was a dog on our defense. Jason Peter was a dog on our defense. Mike Menner, Like, we had players that were just legit playmakers. Um, And when it all came down to it, we had those meetings, but when it came to Coach Osborne having to speak, you paid attention because you knew a guy that had your best interest, wanted the best for you, to where you would go out and give 110% effort on every single play
1: eric warfield with us eric it was fun to catch up with you thanks for jumping on the stream with us
2: always always
1: man and we'll uh we'll see you soon and thanks for a few minutes
2: sounds good you have a good one guys